Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast exploring loving God and loving your neighbor, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I am one of the co-hosts, Tommy Morris. As always, I have my buddies in the studio with me today, Mr. Sean Schomer. Hello. And Mr. Scott Vitro. Hey, hey. And today, we have a special guest back in the studio with us, Pastor Andy Crumpler. Hello. What's up, Andy? Hi. So just so everybody knows... We are talking about busyness. We were actually going to record this last week, but Andy was too busy. Well, if you want to be honest, <laughs> we were going to record it back in September, and we were both too busy. Yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about you right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. So, Andy has done a lot to help me in talking about busyness. Well, look, all right, be honest. He's done a lot in helping me in my head know about busyness i can't say i've applied everything that you have shared so far but you do have a lot of knowledge so we wanted to bring you on and let you uh just share with everyone so let's talk about busyness what's uh what do we want to start with what causes us to be busy is that a good place to start like what does that look like or what are some of our roots i mean i think it's just a reality that we're busy our culture and our way of life you know, for whatever reason, just seems like we pile stuff into our life and, and just busy ourselves with things and events and obligations. So I think the reality is we're busy, all of us. And if we're not, we make ourselves busy. And I think there's many reasons for that. I was thinking of basically, uh, when, I, when I think of this topic, I think of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, which says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I think within that verse, there's a lot of observations that are important for us, that we need to observe carefully how we walk, that we need to not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and that we do not need to do foolish things like getting drunk with wine, but we need to be busy being filled with the Spirit, it talks about the way we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, how we need to have rejoicing and we need to have the Lord in our mind. We need to be encouraging in our words, um, giving thanks always for everything and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I don't think there's anything wrong inherently with being busy. I think um, that God has designed us to work, that God has designed us to be about his kingdom stuff. And I think when we have the right balance and rhythm of worship, work, rest, relationships, and play, that that's fine. However, the feeling of anxiety and stress associated with being busy results when we substitute the pursuit of God's holy call on our life with the will, desires, and expectations of others, self, and sin. And that's where we begin to have some internal rot around this topic of busyness. Yeah, I've got some notes here on uh, Matthew 6. You mentioned anxiety. Matthew six twenty five through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you'll what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than, value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And just in there, it says, do not be anxious a bunch of times. And then it gives us a command of, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In my own personal experience, like idle hands are the devil's playground. You know, I've heard that said when I was little and whenever I'm bored, I do dumb stuff (laughs) but you can fill your time you know like you said we are busy Um, we're either busy with you know our own hearts and desires or we're busy with right here the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then after we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all of these things will be added to you so yeah it's anxiety is a big one yeah I think I think the verse hits on a very key point and that is seeking God and his righteousness, seeking the kingdom of, of the Lord. That's we need to be about doing God's work. So the busyness is not the problem. The content of our busyness is the problem. Seeking the Lord, uh, seeking first the kingdom of God will result in a life that is purposeful and meaningful and a kind of busyness that God intends and accomplishes his will. However, when we pursue our own agendas, then our life can be filled with anxiety and stress, and we can be too uh, scattered to even be of use to anybody. And I think that's where we need to really question our motives behind what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah, we can search after things of, of the world, and, you know, there's the sin issue of covetousness, you know, wanting the next car, the next house, the next job, the next whatever. You know, chasing after the American dream, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type of deal, all this. And that's just our American culture. That's what we do. Yeah. But yeah, the Bible tells us not to do that. It does. I think, too, that many people will busy their life, will just do stuff because they want to please others. They can't tell others no. And so anything that anybody asks of another person, they have to do it or they they want to do it because they desire to please that person. And it doesn't matter. There's no filter to through which they process the request to say, is this something I ought to be spending my time doing? And I, I think some of you at this table have some very good illustrations of living that kind of life from what I've heard. And I can say that in my own life, probably the biggest life change I ever had was in 2004 when I was just doing stuff. I mean, I I was leading five discipleship groups. I was um, a youth pastor to church. I was 
discipling a lot of adults. I was doing, I mean, the laundry list just goes on and on and on. And I was sitting in my office one day on the brink of a meltdown, and I just almost audibly heard the Lord say, you know, hey, you're not Jesus. You didn't die on a cross for anybody. If you die tomorrow, everybody's life will go on as usual. And that was a real eye-opening wake-up call to me, uh, which I believe ultimately led to me coming to Live Oak, because in that moment, I realized that I needed to do the things that only I could do. I, I can only be a husband to my wife. I can only be a father to my children. And that's where I needed to be really expending my the majority of my effort instead of being everything to everybody else. So the, the interesting thing about this is the first two things we talked about, you know, we really see, I'd say, like clear-cut sin, right? Anxiety that stems from fear shows a lack of faith in who God is and his provisions for our life and his sovereignty over our lives. And, and that fear and that anxiety can be sin because it's a, the lack of faith. Anything done without faith is sin. Also, the covetousness, obviously striving uh, to constantly go, 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 because you want to keep up with everybody else in society and have what they have, the bigger house, the nicer car, all of that. That's sin. You know, but I think this third thing that you brought up here, Andy, is not so obvious because the things you're talking about are good things, right? You're talking about leading multiple Bible studies. Bible studies are good. You're talking about leading a youth group. That's good. Yeah. Like these are good things. And so it, I think in those kind of situations, the lines aren't so clear cut, you know, to say I shouldn't be doing this because we can more easily justify that in our minds. Yeah. And I, I think as someone who's been on staff at churches for, I can't remember how many years now, <laughs> that's how long it's been, I'd have lost my mind, is that I see a lot of ministers, pastors who are not able to tell the difference between what's God's work and what's something they're doing on their own. Um, because some of, so much of what we do or, or strive to do is about holy things or holy sounding things. But one of the difficulties of busyness is that we can spend all of our time doing temporary things instead of eternal things. And so one of the, one of the big revelations of my life in that shortly after that time of just God saying, you're not Jesus, you didn't die for anybody, is that I needed to pull away some from my administrative work and spend time with people. Just knowing that that is the calling of a pastor, it's really about people. And um, because I'm wired the way I'm wired, I enjoy a closed office and papers and pencils and spreadsheets and Sometimes I need to put all of that down and go just spend time with people and talk about Jesus and encourage others in their, in their life as a father or as a husband, as a friend. I need to talk to somebody who's in crisis because that's where God does so much of the eternal things in what I've been as a pastor. And yet it feels like if we spend three hours talking with somebody that we didn't get anything done. And that's super confusing and it shouldn't be the greater work is the spending time with people the difficulty is it's hard to measure the results when you're spending time with people i can tell when i've balanced the, the checking account and i can tell when i've entered all the whatever and i can tell when the spreadsheet's complete but i never am able to look at another person and go oh done 
Wouldn't that be nice, right? So I think at the even at the small levels, we have to evaluate, is our busyness about temporary things or is it about eternal things? And when our work is for God and the church, it can become even more confusing. Well, we faced that in the summer, I'd say, when we went to Zambia, because there kept being the question, well, what are we going to do? When most people think about mission trips, right, it's that we're going to build a school, we're going to build a well, we're going to teach like whatever we like it's very task oriented measurable goals right and we were told by the walkers you know we need you to just be here give the staff some relief teach some of the classes spend time with the staff minister to them minister to the kids and it was like that's not quantifiable (laughs) so how do you know if you're doing it right or doing a good job and so that became Kind of hard because I think we are wired in those situations to want to be able to look back and go, okay, I can see what I accomplished. Yeah. Sean, I don't know, like you went, so how did that feel for you in that sense? Um, I had a lot of people when I came back asking me, like, at work, they're like, so would you, you know, would you build in Africa? And I was like, I, you know, I built a disc golf basket out of a tire and a pole. (laughs) But other than that, like, I, you know, I played soccer with some kids. I gardened with Benson. I hung out with the SLT kids. We played Uno, talked. They showed us around the garden, and they're like, you went to Africa to do that? I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I thought you were a real missionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that, that it kind of reminds me of something another elder in our church told me one time. It was very wise, very simple, but I was struggling with something that, you know, my, my wife and I were really busy in, and I kept telling him, I was like, feels like I'm failing. Like this whole thing has felt like a failure. And he just simply told me, he said, life is not about, you know, wins and failures. It's about your obedience to that call. So even going to Zambia, it doesn't matter if there was some definition of done or, you know, I built some house or done, you know, did something. It was about you guys were obedient to that call to go. And ultimately it's really all that matters. And Andy, I, I, I wanted to ask you too, because I think busyness can sometimes bleed over into control issues. And so, especially because yeah, I, I struggle with this myself and I want to kind of hear it from a ministry perspective, but have there been times when you're busy because you want control of something or cause like for, for me, sometimes there are things where I'm like, well, I know how to do it. I do it the best, so I just need to take care of it instead of taking the time to stop to train someone else or let them use their gifts, talents, and abilities to maybe help, you know, do something in ministry or something. But at the end of the day, whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh, I just, I have control issues. Like, I don't want to let this go because, like, my definition of the standard of what it should be is this, and I don't think somebody else is going to do it this way. Any thoughts on Well, I think we've probably spent enough time on the podcast for today. I mean, you've been reading my mail or what? Yeah, it's it's very convicting. You know, it's it's really pride. It's I do it better than everybody else. I am the only one that can do it. And truthfully, you are the only one that can do it the way you think about it. Yeah. But what I realize is that when I make myself release those things, Oftentimes, other people do it much better than what I would have done, and so for me, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult task to know how much to release, to whom to release it, and it's been a, a real journey in my own life to to try to go. You know, this isn't going to be done the way that I think it should be done, but I need to quit worshiping the way that I think it should be done. 
that's not always the best way. And probably that's rarely the best way. I just think it's the best way because I thought of it. And if I thought something was better, I would think something else, right? Our pride can cause us to be really busy because we are being perfectionist in the way that we want things done. And uh, I struggle with that big time. Uh, Pat always jokes with, hey, the way we get the way we get things done around here is we just go to Andy and we go, hey, have you ever thought about, um, you know, what kind of cameras should we get for the sound booth? He said, I'll, I'll just go to Walmart and pick something out. Then he says, and Andy will go, oh, no, 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 no. Let me research it. We don't want to be wasting money. And, you know, they, they <laughs> abuse my pride here <laughs> and take advantage of it. So I know that tendency in myself, and it is a wrong thought process that leads any of us to think that we kind of have the corner and the solution. Yeah, sometimes we ask people to do stuff. They won't do it as well as we would have done it. Sometimes they do it better. But in the end, we have freed up time to do things that are eternal instead of the temporal things that other people can do. And so that's a win situation regardless. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because I I struggle with that too. So we've touched on this a little bit, but I kind of like your thoughts because there's the ministry perspective, then there's just everybody's everyday perspective. So a lot of times in ministry, you'll see people who become so busy that they end up uh, neglecting their family, essentially, or leaving them behind. And I've seen that in multiple churches, and I think it's just a result of our culture and everything we've talked about. But when, when have been times in your life, or I guess, how has God, you know, corrected that course for you? Um, and I mean, and not, not just for you, but people who aren't in ministry either, because I've, I've found that, you know, I've, I've done that in my own life too, where I, you know, for whatever reason, um, I, I just, I'm just really busy and it's so busy that I end up neglecting my spiritual duties as a husband and father, uh, to lead, to lead my family and just advice to people in general about how to, you know, contain that. Or when, when do you know enough's enough and I need to back away? I mean, I think it's a really good question. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to know. But for my own personal life, I know those things when I'm in the Word of God. And He's correcting my wrong thought process. When He's convicting me of my pride, of thinking my way is always right. When He's convicting me of the ways I'm trying to please people instead of please Him that I'm living for my own glory instead of for the glory of God, that I'm trying to gain applause for myself. You know, we have to be very, very sensitive to, to those things. The other, the other biggie, I think, is that sometimes we become really busy because of our own internal sins, because it's hard for us to sit and reflect on our sinful heart, so we just busy ourselves with tasks so that we don't have to sit still and we run, run, run until we drop, you know, we drop asleep at night. And then we get up and start immediately running again. It gives us no time in God's word. It gives us no time in prayer. It gives us no time in the, in the lives of the people that know us best. And we tend to run from the relationships that best know us when we are struggling with sin because we don't want the accountability that that brings. J.C. Ryle in his book called A Prayer had this quote, a man may preach from false motives, a man may write books and make fine speeches and seem diligent in good works and yet be a Judas Iscariot. But a man seldom goes into his closet and pours out his soul before God in secret unless he is serious. And so I think the biggest solution to that is being in God's word, 
and being in prayer and being accountable to other people. The other thing is I think men have very few relationships where they talk about substantial things. Yeah. And I think that as men, we have to pursue the kind of relationships with people that are going to ask us difficult questions. They're going to ask us about our purity. They're going to ask us about, are we being, are we studying God's word? Are we just allowing our eyes to cross the words or are we really digging in? What is God teaching us? What is God saying to us? Uh, We need to have men that can pray for us. I think men especially just have incredibly shallow relationships and, um, I think we can be overly content with that. Yeah, and God gave us like a special ministry as men, you know, fathers and husbands, especially being a husband and a father. That is your first priority, your first special ministry that is like given to you by God. Uh, Husband first and then father, you know, because eventually your kids are going to leave. But, you know, close second, father. Uh, But that's that's a special ministry and we can fill up our time with all these other things, these other ministries that we, that we feel called to. But if we're lacking in those two, then really we should pull back, you know, and that's where we need to, you know, be just have a wife that can like call us out and be like, Hey man, I feel neglected. You know, I feel like you're neglecting the kids. You're, you know, spending too much time disc golfing or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, like, is this confession, by the way, or maybe <laughs> I'm not married yet, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that is a special ministry, the husband and father. And if, if we're lacking in those, if you have, if you're just overflowing and you're just nailing it, you're doing such a good mm. job at husband and father, you know, and you can go out and do some street preaching or whatever. Great. But if you're if you're lacking in those fields, then uh, I think a practical application would be to like just draw back, kind of prioritize your ministry, your to do list, so to say. That takes a. I mean, you what you said was just very insightful, but it takes a tremendous amount of self control and takes a tremendous amount of responsibility to know. I think as men, many times we will pursue our job and work hard at those things outside of the home because it's far easier for us to succeed with people that don't really know us. Whereas we can go home and feel like a failure. Our, our wife knows us. She sees our faults. She sees our failures. Our kids know us. And so often many men I speak to feel like a failure at home and it pushes them to quote busy their lives with all of the outside things that they do because it's far easier to succeed with people that don't know you. Yeah. And then getting that, you know, instant gratification at yeah. work, you know, getting your, getting a job done, you know, getting a raise, getting, getting a raise, promotion, all that stuff. Yep. So that's good. And then when you're at home, you know, you may not be getting that gratification, you know, but that's, that's where the hard work really needs to be put in. Yeah. And I like how you said, like, starting with the word, like, that's a good principle application, starting with the word. Mark 1. Uh, 35 through 38. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go unto the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So we see we see Jesus getting up early going to be alone, praying, and then uh, 
you know, Simon came and was like, we were looking for you. And, and then Jesus says, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He came out to, to be alone, to pray, to commune with his heavenly father. And then he had clarity on where to go from there. So, yes, yeah, starting, starting in prayer and God's word. I mean, that's, you know, we all know that answer. You know, whenever, whenever questions arrive, it's like, oh, yeah, we need to pray. We need to be in the word. But actually, actually doing it, you know, like putting your, putting your nose to the grindstone and doing it. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that, you know, talking about these two things back to back, I think when life gets busy, the two things you two just talked about are the first two things that suffer. I think our relationship with God, our personal prayer time, time in the scripture uh, can be one of the quickest things sacrificed. And I think our quality time with our families gets impacted, you know, I think right out of the gate, you know, which Satan would love two areas to, to definitely attack in. And so I'll, I mean, I'll have a little confession time because a lot of talking about this and wanting to do a podcast on it came through some of my own personal things this year. I took a six month hiatus from the podcast and a lot of that stemmed because at the beginning of the year, life was busy. Things were, were completely chaos. I was trying to do way too many things, going to school and trying to write and doing the podcast and work full time and all these things. And yeah, I mean, my personal prayer time suffered my time for, I would read for, for studies, but I wasn't reading just for my personal time with the Lord. Uh, but then my time with my family, I remember Helena saying, you know, that she wasn't upset with the things I was doing. They were good things. And even though I would spend time with the family, the thing that she said that was kind of like a big wake up call for me was we get you, but we're getting your leftovers. And that was like, wow, like I'm sitting here thinking we're good. I'm giving you time. Like I'm here. And she's saying, yeah, but not all of you, not your best. You know, she was telling me like the church gets your best work, gets your best. Your friends get your best. Everything else gets your best. And then you come home and we get the tired, worn out, beat down husband and father. and We get your leftovers. And that was a, that was just a moment where it was like, something's got to change. And I, I think around that time is Andy, when you and I first started talking about this and you started giving me some godly counsel on it. And that was where the, the podcast took a six month break. And, you know, I withdrew from school and made some other changes. And, you know, I'd say I'm still not all there, but definitely learned a lot over the last six months and some much needed changes to, to try to right that ship. Yeah. I, I think you did on a very important point of our busyness sometimes can stem from our thought that we are more important than we are. And, um, you know, if you think of all of the things that we busy ourselves with on a daily basis, which of those things would go on if we cease to exist and which would be dramatically altered? And I think that that's, I think that that's a good guide for us to know where to invest our time because your work would just go out and hire somebody, but your wife would be devastated. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for us to evaluate how important we think we are to the various things. I know that all of us love to think that if we cease to exist, that the jobs we do would be uh, enshrined in gold with our name underneath and 
<laughs> that nobody else would ever be, you know, our jobs would be retired because uh, nobody else could ever do it the way that we do it. And I think some men literally think that way. Well, the truth of the matter is if we drop dead at this table today. Every one of the places that we work would go out and hire somebody else tomorrow. And, uh, you know, there might be some people that mourn us or cry a little bit. But the only people who would struggle a year from now if we drop dead are the ones who we are close to, who we have an impact in their life. And that's where we need to focus our attention. So, yeah, I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to have a better view of my own importance. Because when you get older, you know, people don't like you as much. So, uh, <laughs> so they... Uh, Can't wait. You know, that's why as you get older, I Is that just, what's been going on with me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you drop your filters, you begin to get a little mean to people. <laughs> no, I, I just think as you get older, you have a better perspective on what's really important. As you're thinking about the end of your career, instead of thinking about what's the next level of your career, and you're thinking about uh, where you want to retire instead of the places that are acceptable to live and make a living, when your kids are leaving the home instead of coming into the home through birth and adoption, you know, you begin to get a better perspective on the things that are really important because some of the chaos has just ceased in your mind and in your, in your life. And you're able to think through, here are the things that are very important. Probably all of us have heard the, the saying, nobody on their deathbed wished they would have worked more hours. Yeah. They always have a better perspective. As we think through busyness, I really just have four things that, to me, have moved me forward in some of these areas. Certainly haven't uh, conquered this idea of busyness, but I've got some pretty good thoughts on it <laughs> that I'm learning to uh, live by. Slowly. Baby steps. Baby steps, yes. And I think we've actually probably hit on most of these, if not all of them. The first one for me was to realize we're not Jesus. And as I shared with you from my own life, uh, that conviction that I didn't die on a cross for anybody and I'm not so important that I need to be doing all the things that I'm doing. And Tommy referenced the book Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung, which was a, a very influential book in my own life. But he says in there, this quote, Jesus didn't meet every need. He left people waiting in line to be healed. He left one, one town to preach to another. He hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all. And yet he did everything God asked him to do. And I think if we make it our, our prayer, God, I want to do everything that you have asked me to do that it can help us to, to focus our vision a lot on uh, what's important and how we need to be spending our time. Like how you referenced, you know, Jesus who went away to pray. Yeah. The, uh, the introvert in me, <laughs> of course, loves Don't you that. find some real uh, satisfaction? Yeah, and I really do. Yeah. I really do. So I got like, and I'm not going to quote them all, but Luke 4.42, Luke 5.15, Luke 6.12, Matthew fourteen thirteen and Mark one nine through twelve is all where Jesus departed to pray. There were hordes of people, you know, wanting to be healed and follow him and be taught and all this, and he just hopped in a boat and paddled across, you know, to be alone. He climbed a mountain to be alone, and people still came and found him. But he he made time to leave the noise behind and be alone and kind of 
you know, we can think of in a practical way in, in the world, like just leave the noise behind, clear your head, kind of just refocus, you know, your mind, your soul, pray, stay in the word, and then go back to your to-do list. You know, you can attack it. You can go, you know, go do that. And yeah, then I love the fact he was a bit introverted and sarcastic. <laughs> if we could have just had a fat Jesus, yeah. that would have been the trifecta. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he even said, he's like, how long do I have to be around you people? <laughs> and then he went up a mountain just to be alone. <laughs> I know three-fourths of us appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we said we were going to get like a, a introvert line of shirts made or something that just have those verses on them just in, in honor of, of the Jesus introverts. Drew. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I tend to get outnumbered here. <laughs> you'll, you'll join us one day. <laughs> Well, yeah, then Psalm people, 46. People always try to win us over. <laughs> I didn't know. I Wait a minute. Please help me understand how do you join an introvert club <laughs> by not coming? The yeah. first the first rule of introvert club <laughs> is don't show up. If you have to ask, you wouldn't. You there's wouldn't a reason ever. there's no yeah. introvert club. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. Uh, that's funny. All right. Sorry. What else you got, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, in the Psalms, you know, it tells us to be still. Psalm 46, be still. So, yeah, it's all just good stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's really hard to do. So I kind of like your thoughts, too, because I was thinking through just like our culture and then the Bible. And I feel like we kind of have like a double whammy that kind of pushes us to, to stay busy. So in our culture, you know, typical American family, you know, mom, you know, dad, both work. Kids are in school eight hours a day, you know, sports right after homework. You know, so we're kind of conditioned you know, to work all day and do these things and then, you know, eat dinner, hang out for a little bit, go to bed, rinse, repeat, go do some sort of entertainment on the weekend. So like in our American culture, I mean, statistically, you know, we work the most overtime and we take the least vacation. So we just kind of are expected to, to, to burn out no matter what. And then on top of that, we have the Bible, which has like very clear uh, guidance against slothfulness and laziness and things like that. So how, how much of that comes into our daily life? Like, do you think that our culture, you know, plus that, like, is it like a hyper reaction to all that? Like, well, I don't want to be perceived as lazy in my culture or within the church. So I'm just going to make myself fill my time with whatever, kind of no matter what hmm. versus like what you just said, like be still. And that's, that's a really hard thing to do. I think it's kind of part of this like upside down kingdom. It's, it's hard for us to be, to be still, but also discern, discern like, am, am I being lazy in this or is there a purpose and a reason in this rest? Any, any thoughts on that? I think our sinful flesh is to be busy all the time. Uh, but I think the difference between sinfulness and a life that glorifies and honors God is our busyness. Is it about us or is it about him? And I think with the, with the, all of the, technology we have today that we can constantly busy ourselves without even going out of the house. Uh, we can, you know, post stuff. We can read other people's lives. Uh, we can watch 24-hour news. We can, it's just like there's the opportunity to have chaos 24 hours a day, and we've embraced that. I am shocked and disturbed by how much time people sit quietly with nothing in front of their eyes it is just it just doesn't happen but yet it is in that time that we're able to reflect on who God is and who we are in light of who God is and we are able to 
address a lot of things that are wrong with us as individuals. So there is the, all those pressures that push us in that in the wrong direction. And I think the solution to that is pausing, spending time with the Lord, finding the time to be quiet. All of us have the time to be quiet. I mean, I don't care how busy you are. Why are you looking at Tommy? I don't <laughs> My eyes are just going around the table here, guys. Yeah, that's right. It started I mean, you here. You just have to make time to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. just prioritize it. You know, you make time for, uh, you know, YouTube and all this other stuff. But do you make time to sit still? And there's so much mental stimulation. Like, we go to the gas pump. Now there's TVs on the gas pump. Like, do do we have to have a screen in front of our face all the time? Like, pumping gas used to be peaceful. You know, you sit there, you pump gas, and you just watch the numbers go up. And then you you hang it up, and you get back in your car, and you drive away. And now there's a screen in front of it. Yeah, and before that, you used to tip people to put gas in for you. It was like, yeah. You actually got to have some human interaction. Yeah, some human interaction, for sure. So, yeah. So, Andy, going back. To what you're saying, one of the things that I do want to point out from Kevin DeYoung's book that he talked about was that busyness starts long before we're actually busy doing stuff. That He, he brought up that it starts in our mind because mm. he had had some point where he realized that he had taken some time off and yet he still felt like stressed or kind of worn out as though, as though he had been busy even though he took a day and didn't do anything. And, and he came to this realization that he was, his mind was just nonstop about the next thing he had to do and the next thing and the next thing. And, and so the busyness was starting in his mind before it ever even came to fruition in his actions, you know? And so there is this thing about quieting our mind and, and having that peace before the Lord and, and bringing those thoughts captive. I think a lot of that. So, Practically speaking, a lot of that is if we could just have a notebook somewhere that we are emptying our mind onto, you know, we all have the doctor's appointment in a week or so, I think, and uh, the kids stuff we got to do and I got to pick up so and so. So we, in a way, we're all spinning these plates in our mind, our capacity to think and to create and to be still is consumed with keeping those plates spinning Whereas if we can just jot them down on a piece of paper that we review and, you know, whether it's a calendar or, or a task list or whatever it is we're using, if we can just totally just pour it out there without much thought to how we're writing it or what we're saying and what we're writing, we get all those things out of our mind and it creates a capacity then to think and to be still and to know that those things are captured somewhere that we can go back and review. We don't have to keep them at the forefront of our thought process. That has been a tremendous help in my own life to be able to, to do that and just to empty my mind in that way because then I'm able to have time to think and to study and to create without thinking about all those things. How many times do we sit down to pray and we begin to go, oh, I forgot I got to go do such and such and so and so today. Or I forgot I need to add this to a shopping list or, man, I still haven't got my wife a birthday present. You know, we... We sit to pray and to be still before the Lord, and we are consumed with all the plates that are spinning in our head. Well, get that stuff out of your head and down on a piece of paper, and then you can find yourself with some capacity to think and to be still. And that's helped me a lot. 
Yeah, and that's a good practical application. Uh, instead of feeling like you have to remember it, you know, all, all these things, we all have a mental to-do list. Instead of feeling like you have to remember it, you know, oh, what if I forget, whatever. You, when you physically put it on a piece of paper, you don't have to remember it. And it's it's weird how, like, your thoughts, it's spinning in your head, and then you write it down, and now your thoughts are not just spinning plates. Like you said, they're actually physical representations of your to-do list and then you have that list and you have the freedom to forget that because you have that list that you can reference yeah and also it feels good to check stuff off your list so you know you release a little oxytocin or whatever and so you you have your list and then you check it off like you know whatever go to a basketball game or whatever. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> and then you went to seven of them last Yeah, time, you so. physically like check that off. You're like, all right, you have this sense of like accomplishment, which us as Americans, you know, we we want to check stuff off. We yeah. so it's kind of like a win win. You get it out of your head and then you get a little like, hey, I did it, you know, like I checked it off. And then when once it's out of your head you're not anxious about your to-do list you're not trying to remember it and you can physically check it off and get like a little boost of like hey i did it yeah it is a great way to combat anxiety and i i I do that in my job too i mean i'm in the the corporate business world so i never thought i would be in but you know here we are uh but yeah but it also gives you an opportunity to rack and stack priorities and that's what i have to do you know even just in my job is write everything down and say okay i got to get this one done first uh, but it also gives you the opportunity and sometimes you feel really silly because, you know, you think like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Then you write everything down. It's like, oh, I've got like five or six things yeah, to do. Like it's, it's not, really not that much. It's not that bad. <laughs> and then you kind of run through like a separate checklist, kind of like what we did when we were going through, you know, James and the will of God and, and things like that is like, OK, is this thing glorifying God? Is it building those relationships? Is it, you know, an eternal mindset? And sometimes you can look at your list and be like, oh, this is really dumb. Like, this is something that just (laughs) needs to go. Like, I don't need to check this off. It just needs to get out of my life. And there's a lot of freedom in that too, of being able to do that. So yeah, I I love that approach too. Well, I'll, I'll continue this list because if I'm listening to this podcast and I hear somebody say there's four things, I'm probably going nuts about now wanting to. I remember. I I remember that you had two more. I remember. I have three more. You have three more. Yeah. I I thought you already gave. Well, the whole making a list was wasn't one of them. Oh, okay. Did did you check it twice? Yeah. I wasn't gonna say it. It was (laughs) almost Christmas. That's nice. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, go ahead. You have three more. Yes. So number two (laughs) is that I want to make sure that I can do only what I can do. So I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor at Live Oak, and I'm, I'm striving to represent Jesus well to the people that I interact with. And those are the things that only I can do. Everything else I'm pretty replaceable in. So I want to make sure that what God has called me to do and the tasks that he has given me within those relationships, that I'm making those things a priority and not the temporary things a priority. Uh, Number three, I want to work wisely and plan discerningly. God has asked us to work for his glory and for eternal things and not the temporary. And so I I want to constantly evaluate what is consuming my time and consuming what is going on that list to see if that's something that only I can do or if it's something that somebody else can do that uh, frees up more time for me to do what only I can do. So I think that's a very important part. And the fourth thing is that 
I want to commit time to God's word and prayer every day. And that's really what purifies and focuses my vision for what I do that day. So being able to read God's word and to know who he is, his holiness, to be able to know who I am, and it makes me grateful for him, and it makes me more focused in the way that I spend my time that day. Yeah, and Jesus modeled that where he went out early, prayed, they came and looked for him, and he's like, all right, now we're going to go into this town. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that prayer and being in God's Word has a cumulative effect. It's not something that I think we get up from that time and we go, ooh, I'm healed or I'm different. It's something that when we've done it every day for a month, we go, you know what? I'm, I'm sensing a change in my heart and in my mind. And when we do it every day for years and years and years, we find that we have a very... Uh, focused mindset on those things that are very important. So being convicted about going six months without opening God's word and then going that day and opening God's word, it's not going to necessarily have a noticeable impact, though I have never studied God's word and been, you know, regretted that time. But I think the multiplied layering of that practice and that discipline is where we begin to see dramatic change in our hearts and our lives. I also think it's in doing that that we see the need to please God replace the need to please people. That's good. Well, any final thoughts from any of you gentlemen on on the topic? Too busy. I can't think of anything else. (laughs) (laughs) You're already thinking about what you have to do after this? (laughs) No, I mean, I I, I am, but kind of in a different perspective. Like, okay, my my wife's going out and celebrating some birthday stuff today, and I'm going to have an opportunity to you know, be with my kids all day. And it's a little overwhelming at first because there's four of them, but it is, it's like, okay, those are big rocks in my life. I can go find something uh, enriching to go do with them and just spend time with them, you know? So I'm excited about that. Doesn't require a Bible study. You just no need to go be Jesus just, with them. Just a lot of patience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of snacks. So we'll yeah. be good. <laughs> are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Andy, any closing thoughts or summaries? No, I mean, I think I pretty much used all my words, which was what? <laughs> they, 10, they say that too. <laughs> oh, that's do funny. they? Yeah. That's well, funny. I have I a whole, I have still have a whole day's worth left. Haven't caught up on your podcast yet. So would you guys like to borrow some words? <laughs> I can no, share. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you for coming back on and yeah, dropping some knowledge. Well, I needed to get in here before you started doing video. <laughs> one day, one day. It's good to be with you these few episodes. <laughs> Andy is officially retiring from yes. the podcast Amen. as we look to do video in the future. <laughs> can we just do like a cardboard cutout of you? Yes. And then, um, you know, you can like call in and just voice over. I can do some that. edited script work for you. <laughs> <laughs> we might do that. <laughs> We might do that. All right. Well, thank you and uh, appreciate it as always. Thank you for the the godly counsel and wisdom and uh, just pointing us back to Christ and to his word. Thank you all for your friendship. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We're dropping new episodes every Monday. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and connect with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at deed underscore truth. And on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram by searching the Deed and Truth Podcast. 
You can also check out our website, deedandtruthpodcast.com, where you can leave us a voicemail, leave us a review, and connect with us there. All right, until next time.